Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello again, dear listeners. Last week, we began a short series of messages in which we spent some time discovering the riches of what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit. Though God's Word deals with these fruits in more than one passage, we concentrated on Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, and in particular, verse 22 and 23. The churches that Paul addressed were being confused by false teachers called Judaizers. They were teaching the new Christians that they were really not saved unless they obeyed all the Jewish ceremonial laws, such as circumcision and eating special foods, celebrating Jewish feast days. But the apostle proclaimed the message of free grace and of salvation by Jesus Christ alone. So then, not Christ plus works of the law, but Christ alone. Our works in devotion to God being evidence of the thankfulness that we owe God for his gift of salvation. And that meant not giving free rein to the acts of one's sinful nature, that whole basket of misery which Paul enumerates in the verses 19 and 20 of Galatians 5. It's a true hornet's nest of sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, not to mention hatred, discord, jealousy, and fits of anger, all things which would horribly disrupt the fabric of Christian living and Christian care for one's neighbors. Rather, a colorful basket of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not that these jewels exhaust what Scripture has to say about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but that especially in the love we are to show to God, as well as to others, these things have a leading role. Today, let's consider these three, patience, kindness, and goodness. An older yet an accurate rendering of that word patience is long-suffering. It's one of those words whose meaning stares out at you. A long-suffering person is one who exercises patience even in the face of those who annoy, who oppose, and trouble him. Such a person doesn't give way to violence in an outburst of anger. No, a long-suffering person may be severely troubled, but doesn't lash out at his or her antagonists. In this, long-suffering persons take their example from God himself, for the Bible testifies to his kindness, tolerance, and patience in Romans 2 verse 4, for example. The same is said of Jesus Christ, and who also to the Apostle Paul displayed his unlimited patience, as we can read Paul's saying in 1 Timothy 1.16. Such long-suffering is not some accidental benefit for those who wish to live a godly life. 
No, it's fueled and inspired by trust in the fulfillment of God's promises. A long-suffering Christian may be weary and vexed because of the cruel opposition by fellow human beings, yet he looks beyond the blows he's suffering to the rich inheritance of life everlasting, so of peace and joy in the presence of God and the angels. Long-suffering was desperately needed by the believers in Galatia, who were being troubled and torn apart, as it were, by strife and cruel opposition of what we may call the circumcision party. Patience, that is, long-suffering, is a powerful antidote and a weapon over against the hostility the Church of Christ often suffers in this world. For it is a thoroughly human inclination to fight fire with fire. We see that being practiced in many communities today. But it doesn't solve any problems. It only sets the stage for more bitterness, and it runs counter to Christ's rule of love, even for one's enemies. He himself was abused, vilified, tortured, and he hung on a cross. Although he could have called a legion of warrior angels to come down and destroy his adversaries, he didn't do so, because he came to suffer and to die in the place of those children he had made his own. He suffered not only the wrath of humankind, but the anger of his heavenly Father. That Father's anger with our sin, it was loaded on Jesus, who became our substitute. And why? that you and I and all who believe in him would live in kindness and goodness. For is human kindness not an endowment from God and a reflection, be it an imperfect one, of God's own kindness shown to mankind? It is in his kindness that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, loved of God, that they were to continue to continue to live and to work and to interact with others. Read the Bible and see how often it testifies to the kindness of Jesus Christ, who is called the pioneer of our salvation, that we might follow him. A kindness that is astounding, for as the hymn says, it saved a wretch like me. For we are all sinners, and not one is worthy of the kindness and mercy of God. Paul also mentions goodness, and that, dear listeners, covers a vast territory. It's really a moral and spiritual excellence that is indicative of generosity of heart and of actions towards others. It, too, is not an attitude to be cut out of a dictionary for wholesome living or to be pasted on your lips. It, too, is a divine gift. David, in that well-known Psalm 23, declares, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He knew that goodness, so closely allied with God's mercy, to be a very sure thing. With those twin guardian angels of goodness and mercy, he would be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He would fear no evil. They would be with him all the days of his life. Paul wanted the Galatians to know that as well. 
It would have been easy to lose sight of God's goodness and to begin to doubt it and even to live contrary to it. Churches of Galatia were immersed in a climate of provocation. Self-conceit, envy, slander, with evil spirits no doubt at work, egging people on. Dangerous territory in which even Christians would be tempted to follow suit and adopt the same miserable mindset. That's why you can hear Paul saying in chapter 6, verse 1, Watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. And a few verses on, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And then again, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time we will receive a harvest if we do not give up. Now, the fruit basket of God the Holy Spirit does not run dry. He doesn't need to go looking and begging to keep it filled. God is an overflowing fountain of goodness and mercy, of faithfulness, kindness, and love. The question is, do you and I treasure his very good gifts? And are we filled with the Spirit, treasuring those gifts which he would plant in our hearts and see active in our daily walk of life? We're far removed in time and space from those in Asia Minor in Paul's day. There doesn't seem to be any so-called circumcision party laying heavy burdens on the church today. And yet the gospel of free grace in Jesus Christ, though embraced by millions, meets more and more opposition today. Even in this Canada of ours, once rightly called a Christian nation, Yet in many quarters today, it is not the Holy Spirit who is called on to lead people to live a life of devotion to God and to His Son. Instead, we're being bombarded with slogans elevating man's supposed human rights and to do what is pleasing to oneself. And in the process, many end up doing what comes naturally. And what is that but those very acts of the sinful nature like sexual immorality, impurity, and idolatry, even witchcraft and hatred, discord and jealousy, selfish ambition and drunkenness, orgies and the like. All of which the Holy Spirit and not just Paul or some other preacher says we must shun and fight against. Would you and I inherit the kingdom of God, that vast spiritual empire that will come to completion on the day Christ returns to judge the living and the dead? Do you desire everlasting peace and joy and a society cleansed of all hatred, class warfare, and all the other byproducts of sin and slavery to the devil? Treasure the fruits of the Spirit and live. Live in love, in joy, and in peace. Practice true Christian faith in patience, kindness, and goodness. These will surely bear fruit, and God will be pleased and honored. For His is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen, and thanks again for listening. Thank you.